I believe the Lord has a word for our spirits, for our hearts, for our minds. And so if you would join me in the book of Acts chapter 2, and will not be very long. Might be slightly long, but it won't be very long. Hallelujah. I believe if you will give me your attention for these next few moments, that God is going to say something to encourage you. I, I felt this deep within my spirit. Got here this morning and just in a time of prayer and preparation, just felt God continue just to nudge me in this direction. Not that I needed nudging, but just, you know what I mean, just to show me this. And I believe God's going to give you a word that you can leave here today and hang your hat on and be blessed. Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this same Jesus, that same Jesus, excuse me, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad for the new birth. Then the next verse, he says, For the promise is to you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And for just a few moments, I want to preach on this word, the curse reversed. Lord, in Jesus' name, you've spoke to my spirit and I will deliver what you've shared. And I pray that you would through me speak to your people, causing my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer, that you would write your word upon our hearts. And in our minds, in Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said amen. You may be seated. As Peter preaches the first Pentecost message to the throng of people gathered outside, he and the 120 gathered in the upper room have just spoken tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They have enjoyed this endowment and empowerment from on high that God has done for them. It is such a raucous and ruckus that the people outside think that they're drunk. And Peter gets up to preach and he says, we ain't drunk. It ain't even the ninth hour yet. He says, but I will tell you what's happened. These aren't drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. You see, the first thing I just feel to tell you right now is God wants to give you a this is that moment. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet. He begins quoting Joel's prophecy in chapter 2 about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon everyone. And he preaches that and he continues preaching about the kingdom of God and the anointing of God. He uses the Psalms and others and, and, and preaches about what God has done. He preaches under the anointing of God and being endued with on high, he reaches the apex of his message. Now many, if not most of the Jews that were the devout Jews, as the Bible tells us, that were gathered there that day, 
from all the tribes of Israel, it tells us, many of them had been at the crucifixion about 50 days prior. Because Peter says to them these words in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified. He wouldn't say that if he wasn't directing it at those gathered there that day. And so he's let them know your actions, your words, your sin has put him on the cross. So convicted are they by this apex at his message that they interrupt the message. They, they raise their voices and say, what shall we do? You've preached us to repentance. You've, you've preached us to conviction rather. What shall we do? Is there any hope? That's what they're asking. Is there anything we can do to reverse this? No, we can't go back and 50 days prior and take Him off the cross. But is there any hope? That's what they're asking. And I wonder today if there's anybody asking today, is there any hope? I wonder if there's anybody wondering today, what must I do to be saved? I wonder if there's anybody wondering today, can God save me? Because those questions are found in what they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, the indictment that Peter gave stung and pricked their hearts. It is probable that some of them might have been in the mob who cried crucify him. Look at Matthew 27 with me. Verse 22, Pilate saith unto him, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? He's just released Barabbas. They've called for Barabbas. and Okay, it's the custom, so I'll release him. But now what do I do with Jesus? Notice this. They all say unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried to the more saying, let him be crucified. Pilate saw that he could prevail. Nothing but rather that a tumult was made. In other words, they were starting to get you know, mob mentality here. He took water, he washed his hands before the multitude, and he said, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. In other words, go ahead and do it, but I, I'm not going to have it on my conscience. Verse 25, look at this. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And so, as Peter has reached the apex of his message, this same Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. It pricked in their hearts. Conviction set in. Oh, men and brethren, what can we do? You see, you've got to understand the Jewish custom. When they pronounced a curse, they believed it would happen. If, if, if they said, you're cursed and your children, they believed it would, it would extend and, and to them. And, and superstitious or not, real or not, the fact is they believed it. And to them it was real. And so if, if nothing else than perception, at least to their mind it was real. So they're, they're concerned I've cursed myself. I've cursed my children. Let His blood be on us and on our children. What am I going to do? And I love Peter's answer. Now, I've got notes, but that day Peter didn't have any. But I do have the anointing. And as he opened his mouth, he said, repent. 
If you'll call on his name, if you'll truly let this conviction lead to a place where you will repent. Repent doesn't mean just to sob and say, I'm sorry. Repent literally means to turn the other direction. If I'm going this way, about face, I'm now going this way. That's what it's meaning. And they understood what he would have meant with that word. Repent, but that's not all. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive receive the gift of the Holy Ghost it would have been powerful if he would have stopped there it would have been good if he would have stopped there it still would have been a Pentecost message if he stopped there but the Holy Ghost moved on to him and he said this promise is not just to you but to your children and I believe there were some Jews that were like just 50 days ago I said that his blood be on us and on our children and now now there's hope that not only am I saved but my children can be saved you mean to tell me this promise can extend to my son and my daughter in other words Peter are you telling me that the curse can be reversed Oh yeah, it's exactly what I'm telling you, crowd. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how they must have felt? Well, we know how they felt. Because verse 40 says, He exhorted with many other words, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. In verse 41, Then they that gladly received the word, wouldn't you gladly receive it? Pastor Lucas, Sister Alicia, if you have pronounced cursed on your life and all of your children, can you imagine if suddenly now there's hope that not only are you saved, but your kids, wouldn't you gladly receive that word? Wouldn't any of you, whether or not you have children, be glad to receive that word, knowing that not only you, but future generations for all posterity of time could be saved? Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, God added about 3,000 to the church. Hallelujah. You see, as musicians come back, I told you it wouldn't be very long. I want you all to stand with me, and here's what I'm going to ask. They're going to sing that song we were just singing. That makes it easy for you. Is that all right? There's no name that's greater. How many of you know that name is higher than fear? Higher than sin? Higher than curse? Well, as you're preparing your hearts, I wonder how many of you would start to make your way back to this altar with me. Because we're going to close today with a sense of prayer and worship and praise. Thanking God that the curse is reversed and... And as you're coming, I want to tell you something here. Acts chapter 2 was not the first time the curse was reversed. <sighs> you see, I referred to it in first word, but during the flood, eight people got on that ark. For one whole year, Brother Connor, they were on that ark. The whole earth, not a region. Pastor Jeremy... Of all the mountains, every mountain range was covered by, I think, 15 cubits, the Bible says. Of all the mountain ranges that God could have chosen and whew, blew that ark to land on, He chose 
the mountains of Ararat. Now, here's what's interesting. First of all, Noah's name means rest. And, and it has the symbolism of the rest of God, the Sabbath rest, which is what the new birth is. We do honor the Sunday as the Sabbath, but we're not rigid about it because we have Christ in us. He's, he is our Sabbath. So are you understanding what that means there? So Noah, rest, you, you see an image of, of God's coming new birth, his plan of salvation. Even Peter used the flood to liken unto baptism, which he says now doth save us. But of all the mountains, Brother Josh, he has him land on the mountains of Ararat. You want to know what Ararat means? The curse reversed. Look it up. Blue letter Bible. Go look it up. Genesis 8, 24. Look it up. The curse reversed. Of all mountains. It could have been Mount Kilimanjaro. It could have been Mount St. Helens. <laughs> but he put it on a mountain that was saying the curse is reversed and I want you to know today that it's for you but it's not just for you it's for your children and their children and another generation and another generation is there anybody that's thankful that the curse my wife and I have been vulnerable with you ever since we came here as your pastor and first lady and we'll continue to be that way that's our leadership style hear me I'm not perfect sister Betty I've got failures I've failed my own family at times I've failed God's people at times but I'm so thankful today that I can come to a place where the curse is reversed and there's hope some of you have wondered is there any hope for what I've done. Some of you are watching and wondering that. And I've come to tell you, yes, because the curse is reversed. As they begin to sing, there's no name greater. As they begin to declare that name one more time before we leave this place, can we thank God with uproarious praise that the curse has been reversed? Oh! There's no name that's greater, that's stronger. Jesus, you reversed the curse. You gave hope. You gave life. And I gladly receive your.